0: Chapter 6 of Darkness and Daylight, or Lights and Shadows of New York Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Darkness and Daylight, or Lights and Shadows of New York Life. Chapter 6 by Helen Campbell. Child Life in the Slums. Homeless street boys, gutter snipes, and dock rats—the autobiography of a daybreak boy. Gutter snipes—that's what I call 'em. What else could they be when they're in the gutter all day and half the night, cuttin' round like little imps a darkness? Not much hair on 'em either. Not enough to catch by, and clothes as is mostly rags that tears if you grab 'em. The prison barber wouldn't get any profit out of 'em, I can tell you. Men around here don't shave till their beards stick out like spikes, and the women cut the children's hair to save comin'. Gutter snipes. That's it. And they snoop around stores and slink off a saltfish or a bundle of wood or anything as comes handy, and home with it like the wind. Mother is there, you may be sure, and washin' may be do you suppose she asks any questions like lor billy where did you get that not she she takes the fish or whatever it is as innocent as a lamb and sends billy for some bits of coal to cook it yes that's the way it is down here rags and tatters are our style and we wouldn't feel natural if we had to try any other way parents fortins don't give snipes anything very stylish Walk round here most anywheres, and you'll see it so, yes, and more so. What's to come of them, I don't know. The island, pretty soon, I suppose. That's the way the city looks out for 'em. Good a way as any may be, if they've got to live in the gutter, from the day they can crawl till the law thinks they're old enough to get a grip on. Takes a gutter to make their kind, and their kind to make the gutter. And what you going to do if you're bound to let the gutter alone? "'If I was the Lord, I'd send a high wind and blow the whole region to kingdom come, "'or else the tail of a comet, to switch us right out of sight before you could say, "'Jack Robinson. That's what'll happen some day, I'm thinking. "'And I'd like it in my time, too, so's to know there wouldn't be any more breedin' places for such as these.' "'This was the voice of old Saul and old man,' whose little grocery in Monroe Street had been raided so often that it was a wonder how he dared leave any stock outside. He kept a long stick, slender and tough, in hiding behind his counter, and watched the groups of street Arabs as they sauntered by with a carelessness he knew covered deep designs. If a hand went out and stole a potato, a bunch of turnips, or anything that could be easily caught up to help out the dinner at home, the old man would give a leap as agile as their own, and a stick would play about legs and shoulders of any or all of the party, who ran and shouted half with glee, half with terror. Sometimes he recaptured the booty and went back nodding and chuckling. If he did not, it was the boy's turn to chuckle, and so the warfare went on as it had for years, and will go on till old Saul is gathered to his father's, and a new phase of the same story begins for his successor. The gutter life begins with the baby who is tugged down the long stairs by brother or sister and given the freedom of the street. It is wonderful to see how soon the little things learn their bounds and keep out of the way of trucks and horses. Where the earth is soft they dig and make the immemorial mud-pie, or they play with such pieces of string or paper as may have been deposited there. A gay bit of cloth, a rejected paper box, is a mine of enjoyment." But it is the other children, and a consideration of their ways, that most fascinates the baby, whose eyes still hold baby innocence, too soon to give place to the look that even the three-year-old often wears. The child of the slums frequently has beauty, but on all of them is the look of experience, of cunning, or self-reliance born of constant knocking about. When eight or ten years old, such care as may occasionally have been their portion ceases. They must begin to earn, and are allowed, the utmost freedom of choice. The most energetic and best endowed by nature turn to the newsboys' calling, and often find it the way to their first fragments of education, as well as to the comfort learned in the newsboys' lodging-houses. Next comes boot-blacking, and from this they often drift into thieving as a profession. The boot-black has many idle hours, and as surplus energy must be worked off, he gives them to tossing pennies, gambling in easy forms, cheating and fighting. They are often practiced pickpockets, and in brushing a customer's coat will steal a handkerchief or other light article with the skill of their older brethren in the same trade. The Italian with his chair has driven many to find some other calling, but a remnant still lingers on the east side or here and there on the west the enforced leisure which comes to bootblacks after the busy time of the morning is used by some in gymnastics, and often they become almost as expert as circus performers. Now and then they improvise a performance in one of the parks and collect pennies from the spectators. Two of them astonished an audience at a picnic by a series of feats which they announced would beat old Barnum Holler they collected forty cents but even here as partners one cheated and managed to get twenty-five cents into his mouth from which an energetic sunday-school teacher forced him to eject it the clothes of both of them had to be pinned up before they began the performance the fluttering rags giving way in every direction with each twist of their bodies Billy, the younger, smiled admiringly as his partner spit out the quarter and dodged from the expected blow. "'He's smart, he is,' he said with a chuckle. "'Me on the lookout every minute, and I never seed him do it.' The elder smiled with a superior air as they went away together, no whit disconcerted by the experience. But an elder boy, a newsboy, said to the crowd in general, "'He oughter be licked,' "'Partners ain't no business to cheat. We don't never. It's business as cheat.' "'Anywhere along the docks are facilities for petty thieving, and, guard as the policeman may, the swarms of small street rovers can circumvent them. A load of wood left on the dock diminishes under his very eyes.' The sticks are passed from one to another, the child nearest the pile being busy apparently in playing marbles. If any move of suspicion is made toward them, they are off like a swarm of cockroaches, and with about as much sense of responsibility. Children of this order hate school with an inextinguishable hatred." they smash windows pilfer from apple-stands build fires of any stray bits of wood they can collect and warm themselves by them and after a day of all the destruction they can cram into it has ended crawl under steps into boxes or hallways and sleep till roused by the policeman on his beat or by a bigger boy who drives them out no home can reach them all no lodging-house can give them room. Numbers are taken in, and in time trained into some sort of decent living, or sent to the west. But even with every power thus far brought to bear, fifteen thousand unreclaimed children rove the streets to-day, a few of them peddlers of matches or small notions, but the majority living by their wits swill gatherers and rag-pickers employ some of them but the occupation is hardly better than roaming at large in the cheap lodging-houses older pickpockets and burglars train numbers for their own work there are gangs of many orders copper-pickers wood-stealers young garroters, and burglars who for years made the neighborhood about hammersley street and cottage place as much to be dreaded as the five points poverty lane dutch hill the home of rag and swill-gatherers and later hell's kitchen and many another nest of infamy are crowded with children wild as hawks and as fierce and untamable thin eager hardened faces the most of them with now and then one with a beauty of form or expression that no debasement has the power to kill each one is an appeal for rescue before the work of ruin is completed and punishment steps in to do what prevention could have accomplished The homeless boy is a sufficiently pitiful object, but the girl-child fares even worse. The boy is often far less perverted than he seems. His sins belong to his ignorance and his condition, and drop away under an entire change of environment. There is many a hard-working farmer in the West who began life as a New York street boy, fighting and stealing, his hand against every man and who dates back all present good to the day when an agent of the children's aid society coaxed him into one of their lodging-houses for the girl there is less chance in every way she develops in mind and body earlier than the boy and runs dangers from which he is free If there is any trace of beauty, she is watched by the keepers of infamous houses, who tell her what fortune awaits her if she trusts to them. Lodged since birth in crowded tenement-houses, or in cellars, herded with dirty people of all ages and both sexes, she has no instinct of purity to defend her. Why girls should be less susceptible of reformation, it is hard to say save that the special sins to which they are liable are weakening to both brain and body and thus moral fibre is lacking in greater degree than with the boy for both alike it is prevention that is demanded possibilities for good lie beneath the most apparently hopeless exterior and decent food physical training and development and severe yet kindly discipline will go far toward calling out the man tradition saddles the girl with a weight from the beginning in making her carry the penalty of her sins as no man is ever forced to do her past is held up against her as his almost never is and she feels herself handicapped in the very beginning of such struggle as she may make the largest charity the wisest tenderest dealing are necessary for this class and with these it is soon shown that the difference is often imaginary rather than real and that for both new life is fully possible Now and then a woman, herself in the depths of poverty and struggle, comes to the rescue of some child. Old Margaret on Dutch Hill was one of these. Owning a shanty in the spot where she had squatted on some rich man's land, she lived with her pigs and cats and goats in one room, trailing about through the day with her swill cans and the little wagon drawn by two dogs in one of her expeditions she saw a child hardly five years old sitting on a pile of refuse and eating a crust picked from the gutter clear dark-blue eyes looked out from that mat of tangled hair and when the crust was eaten the child broke into singing a foul song taught by some boy and so frightful on the childish lips that even old margaret's soul was stirred "'For the love of God,' she cried, "'where do you belong, "'and why has folks left you on an ash heap?' "'She don't belong nowhere,' a boy made answer. "'She sleeps with me in a hay barge, "'or under them steps, "'and there ain't nobody that knows exactly who she is.' "'Then she's mine,' said old Margaret. "'You come with me, me pretty, "'and you shall play with the dogs "'and have all the supper you want.' "'The child danced forward, "'taking the offer in perfect faith.' but stopped short. "'I belong to Dick,' she said. "'What'll Dick do?' "'I know who the old woman is,' said Dick. "'I'll come and see ye. Go with her.' And with a whoop Dick disappeared. "'What's your name?' old Margaret asked. "'Wildfire,' said the child, and no after-questioning brought out different answer or made her willing to own to any other title.' Wildfire she was, and she soon proved her right to the name, for a more passionate little sinner never bewildered the mind of man. But old Margaret had no heart to beat her, as is the manner of her kind. She cried instead, and with the first tear the spirit of mischief was extinguished, and the child dissolved in tears herself. She clung to the old woman with passion no hardship or neglect had been sufficient to kill her ardent little nature and she loved dog and cat and pig and petted every living thing in her way she mourned for dick who failed to appear and who was lost to sight for weeks at last on a rainy evening he walked in and stood sheepishly while wildfire flew to his neck and hugged him with delight I have been hangin round here, he said, cause I wanted to see how you'd get on now. I want you to go to school. The thought that's been on me own mind said old Margaret, but where where but the East Side industrial School said Dick proudly. I'll take her there to-morrow if you say the word I'll take her meself twill have the best look, said the old woman, and the next morning she appeared at the school and soon settled that her charge should come every day. Probably no more troublesome pupil ever presented herself to teachers well experienced in all forms of troublesomeness. But the child's affectionate nature was always her safety, and in time she came to represent some of the best results of the work done there. She remained lawless save for this, Wandering blood was in her, and she grew wild if forced to remain more than a few hours within doors. But she learned to sew and to care for the shanty, which under her energetic hands grew neat and decent. She tried going out to service, but no one understood her needs or could tolerate her desires, and so she constantly drifted back to those who had first befriended her dick in the meantime had from newsboy turned to boatman and having begun as cabin boy on a coasting vessel came at last to the post of boy of all work on a canal boat which lay in the erie basin in the winter and so afforded him opportunity to try other trades the shanty finally made way for buildings the dogs were sold and old Margaret turned her attention to rag-picking. Wildfire, grown a tall girl, with the same dark-blue honest eyes, helped her sort rags when they were not too dirty, and took in washing, or did odd jobs as her share of the work, till one day when Dick, now a tall fellow of twenty appeared in the tenement-house where they had two rooms, and without waste of time told both that he had been promoted and was ready to marry. "'Sure I'm too old,' said old Margaret with a twinkle. "'It must be some one else you're meanin.' "'Right you are,' said Dick calmly. "'Tis some one else, and there she stands. "'It's wildfire I want, and no other.' and Wildfire rushed to him as she had done long ago, and cried for joy that he really wanted her. So they were married and lived happy ever after, is thus far true. Dick is captain of a canal-boat. His wife finds the life sufficiently full of excitement, and anyone who knows the Erie Basin knows what resources it possesses, and will be certain that occupation will never be wanting. There is hardly one of the little lives that have no other home than the street that would not make a strange record for these pages, and hardly one that under right conditions does not show itself full of possibility. The story of Jack and a daybreak boy known as Buster illustrates a loyalty and devotion seldom equaled in any walk of life. It was a beautiful face that looked up from the hospital bed, a face that any mother might be proud to call her boys, gray eyes large and full of expression, with lashes a girl would envy, clear-cut features, and a head full of promise. Jack belonged in Cherry Street. There were many reasons why he found it the best spot that he was undersized, pale, and with a look of sharp experience that is a part of the street-boy's makeup was owing to many things—poor food or no food while he was growing, cigarettes and beer before he was eight years old, and generally all that he might better never have known. He had graduated from Cherry Street a year or two before— but had returned there on a quest, the nature of which I shall give, in his own words, with such translation of his method as may be necessary. For Jack had two languages, one learned in night school at the newsboy's lodging-house, the other that to which he was born, and into which he fell from old habit. He lay flat on his back, his leg in splints, and his side bandaged." all of it the result of certain experiences to be recorded here. His eyes were singularly honest, and he smiled like a baby as he looked confidently into the hospital doctor's face. The following is the story he had to tell. Jack's story "'You wouldn't believe it. That's the trouble.' i've read dime books and the story papers ever since i could read it all and there was never a thing stranger than what i know of many a one in poverty bay yes and anywhere you're a mind to pick out but if you tell it folks say oh he's drawin it strong he's seein what he can make you swaller go down there for yourself and you'll see you couldn't make up worse than there is you see me and the buster was both kicked out into the world about the same time he wasn't the buster then, but nothing but the smallest boy you ever did see, and his real name was Dick. His aunt was the Queen o' Cherry Street, and she could drink more stuff and not show it than any ten women that went with her. His mother was killed in a mistake on the other side of the hall. A man shot her that thought she was another woman, and his father died of the trimmins in a station house, where they taken him after picking him up for dead. He didn't do nothing but drink anyway, and he pawned whatever there was to lay his hands on down to the teapot. So his aunt took Dick, and he slept along with the other lodgers, and had what he could pick up to eat, unless she happened to think, and then she let him buy pie. That was Dick, but he turned into the buster, and that's what I'll call him now, so you'll know. My father was a rag picker on Baxter Street, and our house was 47, do you know it? When you go in, there's a court and a hydrant in the middle, and out of that court opens seven doors as like as seven peas, and there's seven rooms with the window alongside of the door, and so on, all the way up the five stories. It's all Italian now, and they got big Italian beds that holds six or seven easy, and over them they slings hammocks and piles the children in, and then fills up the floor, and so they make their rent and maybe more. We wasn't so thick, and lucky, for my father wanted Rome to tear around when he stopped picking rags and had a drunk. He'd smash everything he could reach, and my mother, who was a little, a uh, kind of delicate-like, she'd hang everything high so's he couldn't get at it. He knocked her round awful, and one night when he come home a little worse than anyone ever seed him, he just kicked us both downstairs and broke her all to smash, ribs and everything and then when he'd smashed up the room too he just sat down and cut his own throat awful so when they come to arrest him on account of my mother that they had picked up and sent to bellevue there wasn't nothing to get but a stiff i hung round a bit till i saw the ambulance and then i made sure they'd do something awful with me and i cut i made a run for the river cause i always liked it along the docks you could often pick up oranges and bananas and many a time i've licked molasses off the barrels "'I'd often slept before in barges and most anywhere, "'and so I knew a good place when there was most always some bales of hay, "'and so I put for that. "'There was lots of boxes and barrels piled up, "'and empty ones too, and way behind them, "'where they hadn't looked for a good while with some big bales of hay. "'It was rainin', pelting straight down, "'and sleet with it, and awful cold. "'I remember because Buster cried awful when I found him. "'He wasn't bigger'n a rat much.' And when I come pitching along, he made certain I was going to turn him out. There he was, you see, in my box, that I hadn't never let on about. And he just sniveled and turned out and started to run. So I took him by the scruff and I says, Where are you going and who are you? And drew him back by one of the legs of his pants that was big enough for six like him. And then he told me he'd had so much licking at home that he couldn't stand up straight. And his aunt wanted to lick him more because he couldn't. "'and so he made up his mind to run. "'Well, he'd slept in that box a good while, "'and the boys had fed him. "'He'd earned bits holding a horse or something like that, "'and he'd picked up odds and ends, "'but he was most naked and hungry, "'and when he dried up his eyes after a good cry, "'I says to him, "'We'll go unks, and whatever I have, "'you shall have the same.' that's the way buster and me come to be partners but i expect we are both smaller than we thought we was for we couldn't get much to do till a boy gave me his old blackened kit and taught me to shine so i did that when i got a chance and buster sat round and admired and we did rate and slept in the box the whole winter in the spring we had to budge they cleaned the dock along where our box was and we never got a place like it again "'but we had a pretty good one under some steps that did for summer, "'and another boy named Liverpool went shares with us. "'He was eleven, and we hung together a while "'because there wasn't no one else. "'He was English, and his father died in hospital, "'and his mother was respectable and not fond of drinking or such. "'He went wandering round on the docks in Liverpool, "'and he heard him talking about America "'and reckoned it would be a good place to come to. "'So he begged captains to take him for cabin-boy,' "'till he found one that didn't so much mind as being little. "'Well, that Captain Larruped him the worst way, "'and just for cussedness, "'for Liverpool was like a lamb for disposition, "'and you couldn't make him mad unless he saw somebody abused. "'But he come ashore all black and blue and raw, "'and no money and not much clothes "'but some cast-off ones a sailor give him, "'big enough to wrap up three of them. "'When they wore out, another give him some more.' "'and he looked like a walkin' rag bundle the whole of the time. "'It was him that got me to turn newsboy, "'for he was picked up by a man that goes round amongst the boys, "'and I went with him when it was settled that he was to go to the west. "'They asked me to go too, but I hung on here. "'Seemed as if I must on account the buster, "'for he didn't want to do much but loaf, "'and I had to have an eye to him.' I tried papers a while and tried to make Buster take hold, but it's hard work, whatever folks may think. It was for him, anyhow, for he was sort of weakly. I learned to read and write in the school, and sometimes Buster would come a while, and he had a fine voice, and he'd sing like anything. I kept thinking I'd go west sometime, and I tried to save a little, but couldn't very well. So that's the way we did for a good while, and then Buster turned daybreak boy, and that broke me all up. "'You don't know what a daybreak boy is. "'It's a whole gang, "'what steals from small craft below L's gate, "'and sell their stealings for whatever they get, "'which is mostly nothing. "'They're all the same as dock rats, "'only there ain't so many of 'em. "'Buster learned to swim and dive "'and was near enough a dock rat anyhow. "'And then Buckshot Taylor kind of took to him, "'and that was the worst thing that ever happened to him. "'Buckshot Taylor got his name,' because he was chock-full of buckshot in his legs and back, and his face was all bust-up too. He'd dive under a wharf and fasten one end of a wire rope to one of the rafters. Then he'd sneak along on board a lead-loaded schooner and fasten the end he'd carried with him to whatever come handy. Somebody keeps watch all the time while he does it. Then he drops it in the water when he gets a chance, and down it goes out of sight. Then he dives again and comes up under the wharf and all he's got to do then is to draw it in, and a heavy bar will sell for three or maybe even four dollars. Well, he took to the buster, and soon he had him in training, and all I could do wouldn't stop him. He liked the fun of it, and he was so little he couldn't sneak in anywheres, and he got to be a champion daybreak, and that tickled him. Sometimes to please me he'd swear off a while, but he couldn't stand it. "'Then I wanted him to go west because he had to be doing something, but he wouldn't, "'and so I hung on waiting for him to get caught and sent up. "'That's just what happened. "'He was in the reformatory a while, "'and there the boys taught him more deviltry than he'd ever knowed, "'and he come out about as bad as they make him. "'I knew just as much bad as he did, but I couldn't stand it. "'He could, and I don't know as it was his fault.' He kept fond of me, and I was fond of him, and so we were sort of held together. That went on for a good while, but three months ago I lost him, and I've been looking for him ever since. It was some worse racket than ever he tried before that has kept him hidin'. I got my eye on him once, but he was in a runway and slinked out of sight. He sent word he'd be sent up for life if they caught him, and I mustn't be seen with him. You don't know what a runway is, this one, where I saw him, is this way. Most of the lots on Cherry and Water and Hamilton Streets have two houses built on them, with a way between the two. Cherry and Hamilton Streets back up together, and there's only three feet between them at the rear tenements. Now if you're chased on Cherry Street, all you gotta do is to run up to the roof of the rear of the house, and jump to the other, go down the skylight, and there you are in Hamilton Street, and can get off easy, while the policeman is coming round the corner. The crooks have fixed it to suit themselves. They go climbing round over roofs and fences till they got it plain as a map. Sometimes they hammer in blocks of wood for steps and they don't come out where the cops are expecting them. There's a hundred runways and they knows them all. I was awful worried over Buster. I knowed if he could only get away he'd do well enough and I planned to hire him to go west and try it. They dyed his hair and made him all up different but I knew where he hung out. And so a week ago I went in one night, bound to find him. The police had laid for a raid that night, but I know nobody knew it. Buster was there sure enough, and he was way down in the mouth. We talked a while, and he had about promised me he'd do as I wanted when the woman in the next room gave the alarm. I don't know how Buster ever took such a thing in his head, but he did. He made for the roof, and I after him, and just as we got there he drew on me. "'You meant to give me away, did you?' says he. "'Damn you! Take that!' "'And he gave it to me in the side. "'I pitched over, and down I went into the runway, "'and there they picked me up and brought me here. "'He didn't mean it, and he got away. "'And so I don't care, and he sent me word the other day "'that when I got well, he'd go west, or anywhere I wanted. "'So you see, it's come out pretty good after all, "'and I don't mind lying here, because I go over it all in my mind, "'and it's good as the théâtre. To think they haven't got him and won't. And when I get well... Jack's voice had grown steadily weaker. I'm so tired, he went on. I think I'm going to sleep, if... And here he looked up silently for a moment. If I ain't going to get well, Buster will go to the bed certain, for they ain't nobody but me he'll listen to. But I shall get well soon, and now I'll have a sleep and thank you for coming. Will he get well? "'I whispered to the nurse as we went down the ward. "'At first we thought he would,' she made answer. "'Now it is doubtful, for there is something wrong internally. "'He may live and he may go at any time.' "'And she turned away to another patient. "'A week later came this note from the nurse. "'Jack asked to have you sent for yesterday, "'and when we said you were out of town "'he begged for pencil and paper.' and made me promise to seal his note up at once and let no one see it. It is enclosed herein, just as he dropped it when the end came. We found him lying there quite dead, and you will see a smile bright as an angel's on his beautiful face when you come, which must be at once if you want to see him before he is buried. On the scrap of paper within he had traced in staggering letters, Please find Buster at... blank there it ended nor has any questioning yet revealed who it was for whom he sold his life unwittingly it is true but given no less fully and freely greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friend no work in the great city so appeals to all that is just all that is generous in man, as the welfare of these street children and none yields larger reward. And yet the final word must be that fifteen thousand homeless, hungry, cold, and naked children wander today in our streets, and as yet no agency has been found that meets their need, and the hands that would rescue are powerless. The city money jingles in Tammany pockets, and the taxpayers heap up fortunes for Tammany politicians while these thousands of little ones are outcasts, and soon will be criminals. The children of the slums are with us, born to inheritances that tax every power good men and women can bring to bear on them, for their correction. Hopeless as the outlook often seems, salvation for the future of the masses lies in these children not in a teaching which gives them merely the power to grasp at the mass of sensational reading, which fixes every wretched tendency, and blights every seed of good, but in a practical training, which shall give the boys trades, and force their restless hands and mischievous minds to occupations that may ensure an honest living. End of chapter 6